Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. Well, that means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's grow. <laughs> Afraid to say that you need a jump start. All right, do you have you uh, removed the coffee from your mouth so you can do an episode? Yeah, I I should apologize ahead of time. It's um, really after time. Well, yeah, it's, it's really happened. after time. Uh, Kevin, who has joined us, also with Max, so hello to both of you, um, was present. I'm I'm a little slower than normal uh, this this week, uh, and maybe maybe for a week or two more. Uh, very unclear. <laughs> Uh, I, I, uh, I, as, as I've now described to a few people, I crashed the boards and they crashed back. Uh, I was doing my best, um, Zach Randolph imitation, not by getting arrested, but by getting an offensive rebound and I caught a forearm. And according to my doctor, I have a mild concussion. So the reason, the real reason we have four people total doing the podcast this week is because you I basically need the infrastructure yeah, to cover for you. Yeah. I'm cover just, for your brain injury. Yeah. I'm told that I need others to help me make difficult decisions, but I'll be at work tomorrow in any case. Yeah. But isn't it supposed to be people that you trust? Oh, I trust no one. So this is hard. So you're just fucked either way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What are uh, we talking about this week? Well, we're talking about, uh, Similar to forearms to the face, something else that you typically don't react well to. Oh, that's true. Um, and that is uh, things that are designed to make people laugh. I, I see what you mean humor. I don't know if humor is always designed to make people laugh. That might be like the, the inherent problem in all of this. Uh, yeah, so so I was, at, I was actually at work the other day. And um, someone asked me, uh, what comedy series do you write? And I just said, in this voice, I don't watch any comedy. And that, and the voice, and they laughed, and I was like, what? And they're like, that's really funny. I'm like, no, I do not watch comedy series. I don't, like, really watch them. Um, you all do. Yeah, we, I mean, I certainly do, Max. Uh, yes, I have. <laughs> will you do it again? Because <laughs> you're using past tense verbs. <laughs> ten of ten I will, would I watch will continue. Kevin? Yeah, not frequently, but that just not against comedy. Just I don't watch much TV in general. But yeah. Mm. So this is shaping up to be a uh, three-on-one gang-up podcast. It's so the uh, concussed uh, person. I'm yeah, ready. yeah, it should be even easier for us. <laughs> it really just, feels with like... cushion. Just hopefully you guys punch like Conor McGregor and I'll be fine. So um... <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I yeah I. I just, I mean, kind of like, kind of like Kevin now. I'm and a lot of us are moving away from from TV. But if I look at my Netflix queue or, or something, there's really not any comedy in there, be it movies or, or television programs. I mean, I do watch a lot of TV, but I'm thinking about things that I am excited about. Mr. Robot is coming back. We watch uh, Game of Thrones together. Um, you know, I'm obviously a huge proponent of of Mad Men, even. It, like as far into the levity on average that I get, and I haven't watched this in a long time, is is probably West Wing, which is a funny show, but it's still a drama at the end of the day. Um, but I mean, you you even watch? Well, I've actually done it with with you recently, but 
you know, I think Sean and Max, you guys will watch actual comedy specials with some frequency, will you not? Yeah, it's one of my. I mean, I think it's one of my preferred forms of entertainment. Mm-hmm. I it, it kind of started a little bit as a way to as listening to stand up to, uh, you know, to get a change of pace from music on my long drives from New Orleans to Charlottesville oh. for semesters of school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also just I really like I like laughing, um, and, and so it evolved from listening to watching on Netflix. I mean, I'm looking at my Netflix queue right now, and it's, I would say it's at least half comedy. Yeah. Um, so, I I do, I think there is one comedy program that I definitely watch, not frequently, but it's something I, I see every every now and again, is, is Portlandia. But, as I think I've described to you all before, um, I watch it in in a way that is more cathartic than I like laughing, um, because in a lot of ways the way that they tell their jokes is it gets it goes, oftentimes it's tell the joke, tell the joke, and then you end it like the third time. They keep telling it and it becomes ridiculous, and it makes me think of I don't know. It basically anytime someone sends me a BuzzFeed article or a Cracked article, I'm like, this is to the point of being ridiculous at this point. Here's the third quiz, you know, the 18th quiz that tells you this thing or or whatever. And I, it's it's kind of like an absurdist, uh, you know, cathartic experience. So then, why don't you read the shit I send you from Cracked? Oh well, no, no, no. I think <laughs> I think the existence of because you've said to me before that you just don't read it. Yeah, the existence of it is funny. I don't actually want to, you know, take part in it. It's and you know they they have their whole brunch episode which I think is very humorous but also as as I've described you know I dislike capital B brunch and it goes to the full extent of the ridiculousness and so it's it's less humor as I really appreciate that they see how ridiculous this this all is so it's not watching a Louis C.K. special and and laughing aloud at it necessarily. I appreciate what you're getting at, but I, I think a lot of comedies are are kind of take that and just take yeah. things to the extreme, and that's what makes them funny. I'm thinking, like, Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm jump right out to me, but then even on the other side of, like, It's Always yeah, Sunny in Philadelphia, like, that's the whole premise. It's just the, the worst people, and they keep doing yeah. things that are worse, and you it's like, they can't do anything worse, and then this week it's like, you know, the gang kills someone. <laughs> it's yeah. worse. I, I think that the difference between Curb Your Enthusiasm and... Curb Your Enthusiasm and Seinfeld versus the camp of It's Always Sunny is Curb Your Enthusiasm and and Seinfeld are are pretty realistic. Obviously, It's Always Sunny, well, I like to think that's not realistic, but that's part of the reason I dislike the show is it's a the, little... Hold those three shows Do you wrong. really think Jerry Seinfeld could afford that apartment on a stand-up comedian's pay? <laughs> really? I, I don't know. I mean... He tells some bad jokes, and people are into bad jokes, as, as we know. <laughs> What's um, the deal with airport food? Yeah. Oh, God. What if you just want regular strength Tylenol? I mean, come on. Uh, See, uh, if you read the goddamn Cracked articles I sent you, you'd know that he never actually did a what's-the-deal-with joke. He doesn't do those. <laughs> um, but, Boom. But that also makes me think of you know the, the couched-in-reality situations those don't those don't hit me as being that absurd. So something like Office Space, which I had been in the presence of you all, I'd seen it once, and that was probably before I started working. It was probably in college. 
that I walked out of your apartment because I could not handle watching it. It was not that absurd, and it made me wholly uncomfortable. And I didn't I, find it funny. I would disagree pretty much whole hog with the idea that Office Space is not absurd. But but I do get what you're saying. So it, it's interesting. I've, I've actually noticed myself. There's a, there's a lot of comedy that's like cringe humor. And I've noticed mm-hmm. myself not enjoying that as much as I think I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, for for things like that. Um, so do you like not like the first two or three seasons of The Office? Because those are straight I'm, cringe humor. I'm not. I haven't watched. Really? So I'm not not. I've watched a lot of Office episodes, but it's all just been random. I've never just sat and watched it. Okay, order, so I, I, I can't associate which episodes are from what. Fair. I don't know. What I think I've watched what well, you can tell by Michael Scott's hair. That's nope. We're not. Never mind. Sorry. Forget I, I said it. that. Um, I, I think that that's a show that I probably have a similar relationship to your relationship with Seinfeld, where it's like I've seen it back and forth gotcha. so many times. I, I was thinking specifically of that movie, um, Dinner for Schmucks. Ooh, another that, another entry in the Steve Carell camp. That is just extremely. Yeah, it's, it's I'm not horrible. comfortable watching it. But I, There's, but I, but I, I, I used I, to like the. I don't know if I think part of it though is I just don't think that was a very good movie. I don't think it was a very funny movie. Like you're regard, right, but I was trying to pick. I was trying to pick one that like, I, I can't think right now of other movies that are fit into that cringe humor. But I can, I could. I was watching one very recently that I remember loving a long time ago, and I just didn't. Find I, it funny I, I really do think part of it is so when I was in when I was in college, especially my fourth year, I watched. Well, I watched The Office as it came on, but I remember watching a bunch of Thirty Rock. Thirty Rock, Thirty Rock again is is a very ridiculous setting, like that. Uh-huh. The, the setting of that show. So I'm like, okay, this is this is separate, but the real stuff that comes in, I would say it's kind of. Uh, anyway, my my finishing that point, I did watch a lot of comedy. Then as I've entered the workforce, no, it's like if I'm watching TV, I want a release, and I just don't. Part of it is I do not find comedies release, but I think this is part of the reason why it. It interests me when you have a show that is absurd, um, and then there's that kind of realness in in the joke or whatever is humorous. I, I can appreciate it, and I kind of there's a there's a level of, of satisfaction in it. The times I do laugh, and I made this point we were discussing before, is watching Breaking Bad, watching Game of Thrones, watching Mad Men, and there is that very realistic set in this drama, uh, funny moment as you would encounter, mm-hmm. you know, in your it, workplace. Uh, getting dinner, uh, you know, playing, you know, uh, capitalism in a bar as, as we did yesterday, so, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that those sort of funny moments within things that are not necessarily meant specifically to be funny, I find those very rewarding. I've, I find it fascinating that you don't get a, a release or a sort of escape out of comedy now that you're in the workforce because I feel very differently like I feel specifically like it achieves that purpose and is one of the only things that does achieve that purpose mm. for me well I, I'm kind of with with Pierce on this one I found um, that I don't know if it releases the right right way to phrase it but my I have so much less time to watch movies or TV shows so in general, I don't do much comedy, but it's more because I'm like, looking. I'm actually looking for something deeper. 
So I, I feel like I, I have more time. I'm with and, Kevin. I'm with Kevin on that one. Yeah, I find myself uh, watching sure. a lot less comedy because I'm, I'm. There for for me, there's like more value in watching um, some long show that so, someone's told me is great or something. So I do want to ask Kevin specifically a question. Um, you, this has turned into a different three on one than we expected when so we started. I know that you. Uh, You've watched the show Silicon Valley in the past, correct? Oh, I, I love it, yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. He loves Silicon Valley. The other thing is, is I know that you have very specific feelings about that place because you at least have been around it in a way that, that we have not. Um, you don't necessarily have to give background, but how does... So for me, I described my office space experience, which is like, this is this is a little too close for comfort sometimes. I think if I went back and watched The Office... Maybe not. I wouldn't get it, but Silicon Valley, you're you're okay with, even though you were familiar with that setting. Yeah. Uh, so in general, I love anything Mike Judge does. Well, Steven's butthead guys, not very good. But um, speaking, of, well, but I, I do think with Silicon Valley, it's definitely enhanced by the fact that it is making fun of a place that I lived at for a year and absolutely hated, and it is making fun of these <laughs> aspects of people that superficially seems like a, like a good trait, but then like you know. It ends, they end up making like a joke out of it and like you know, it can show them like how much of an ass they are or something. Yeah. And um, I think I would like that show anyway, but it definitely is. It's definitely enhanced by the, the fact that it's you know making fun of something that I had firsthand experience with. Yeah. Max. Well, yeah, I, I, I kind of associate the same thing with like um, Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. which is interesting. So I, I put my humor into like two camps. There's the shows that just make me laugh a bunch, and then there's shows that I really like but I don't really laugh at. And Parks and Rec and Futurama both fit in that. Like, I really like those shows, and I think back, and I'm like, oh, those are funny moments, but I don't sit there and laugh at the TV like when I'm watching It's Always Sunny. Mm-hmm. I can't not laugh at It's Always Sunny. I, I but think... Parks and Rec associates with what I do for work. <laughs> it's have you... close to home in a funny way. Have you um, seen any of those those movies about working at, like, a restaurant, those comedy movies? I think there was, like, a Ryan Reynolds one. Waiting. Um, it's a great one. Okay. I have I can't think of Okay, I was just I was just wondering if, if that was another situation where maybe working in the uh, restaurant industry could have enhanced it, but sure it could, but I can't, I can't think of any movies. So, I uh, you I just have no experiences where that could really enhance it. I, you know. You mentioned Parks and Rec though. That's a show that I have watched and I really enjoy and I just see it as a really good TV show. That's part of the thing when you you know, starting off with humorous things that are supposed to make you laugh. If it's if it's a good program, it's a good program. Whether I laugh or not is not necessarily an indication of it being good or bad. Me appreciating, I can sure, still appreciate right, the it's, jokes. It's still in the humor genre, it's, I right. think. Right? There's if a, you're looking in categories, it's under comedy. Yeah, I think and there's a difference. A Merchant in Venice is a comedy because the main character doesn't die at the end. I mean, we're. Okay. we're but, I'd want to be but I mean, fair. I think we're making a point that there's clearly there seems to be. I would say that there's a difference between what constitutes a good tv show and what constitutes a good comedy and based on how you seem to react to these things maybe you think parks and rec is a good tv show and not a good comedy does that make like does that make sense i think the purpose of comedy and humor is to hit you in that emotional spot mm-hmm. i guess whether or not it produces a direct laugh I mean, yeah, you know, because a good a good TV show like Parks and Rec is a good TV show because 
it tells an endearing story of, of you know people that you care about that you you come to care about over the course of seven seasons that's not the same at least i don't think as what makes it a good comedy i i saw something recently about it was because mad men came on the air 10 years ago um one thing it talked about is you get to learn a lot from the, the way the show is great is it's not you get to learn a lot about these characters because of the situations that they're put in it's not so much like a plotting plot like oh, Don has to think about this in the episode and makes a decision, so we learn about him based on decisions. It's more like you're in the situations and your reactions kind of build you as a character and the plot is not so important. I think that there are, even in something like Parks and Rec, which did was more plotty, but you learn a lot about these characters as they interact with, with certain situations. And I, I think mm-hmm. if we're talking about good comedy, good TV show, I think that's just a good practice and, and good TV shows kind of do that. Um, yeah, and there's an interesting thing I'm thinking of where it's like, there's some, one way you could separate it is there are some comedies like Parks and Rec that have a story that goes from beginning to end. I think a lot mm-hmm. of them do, but there's definitely some comedies that don't, like Family Guy. Yeah. At least, well, I do, I'm not aware of a, an ongoing right. central story. You don't need to watch Family Guy in order, as far as I know you can, or The Simpsons is a perfect example. On FX Now... There is an option to play a random Simpsons episode, which is a fantastic feature that I like very much. But there's so many Simpsons episodes, and you can just watch any one, and it just it doesn't need to fit into a, a, a central story. Do you think that affects how much you would appreciate those shows? I think that randomness is is a really a really good point. Um, you know, because I don't, I do feel like most of the comedies I think about. You know, even something like Silicon Valley, the episodes I've watched, it is very, you know, there is one episode has an effect on the next episode or, or the previous episode or, or whatever it is. But mm-hmm. something like, I haven't really watched Futurama. I know with Family Guy and The Simpsons that you can just watch, you know, any one and, and get something out of it. So, yep. but there aren't, I'm, that seems well, to mostly have to do with Seinfeld curb your enthusiasm and then a lot of the animated shows i think it gives you it will give you a deeper connection with the show even if it's you know pseudo random like you can watch an individual episode but you'll get more value like if there is a long overarching story that you'll get more into the the, the comedy and if yeah. you're if you never really get to the point where you're hooked after a couple of episodes then yeah i could see how that would um I, I think my statement was actually incorrect because now that I think about it, and I don't know if it's a, a, a time period thing, but a lot of I don't know about Archer that might have I don't really like that show. Bob's Burgers, not you don't need to watch a previous episode. That that show's pretty good, also. But I just think it's a well done television program. See, I think I mean I think and the the distinction that I've set up between good comedy and good TV show, I I think that that story thread that keeps you invested I think it goes a long way towards making something a good TV show you can be a good TV show without doing that but to me and I say this so I'm going to word what I say now very carefully because I don't necessarily personally think of Family Guy as a good comedy but I think Family Guy is a show that is a better a significantly better comedy than it is a TV show. It it gets you to laugh. Right. And and that's where I, I go back to, if we're talking about 
laughing, unfortunately, or, or fortunately, uh, something that we enjoy probably weekly, and you, everyone should, is, is Drew McGarry on Deadspin's mailbag. And I'd say 90% of the time, the last email is someone telling a story that... It's always a story about shitting. Yeah, it's always a story about some unfortunately unfortunate body event that occurs. I always laugh. I can, and it comes out Tuesday afternoon, and I can't. I have to, it, it, you know, take take myself away from other humans because I will inevitably laugh at it because I am a child. But at the same time, these are relatable things. It's, and then honestly, that's my least favorite part of that mailbag. But like, I have so I have a similar sort of experience with a, a podcast called My Dad Wrote a Porno. Yeah, uh, which I think I've probably told you probably guys about. eight or twenty five times. No, probably more like twice. But <laughs> the, I mean, the whole premise is contained in the name. This British guy discovers that his dad self-published uh, a not one but a series of erotic novels was it, through Amazon. Was it like the Family Guy episode where they think that Peter's Mel Gibson and then there's the British porn on the, the TV? I don't know because I haven't seen that episode of Family Guy because I don't think Family Guy is a very good TV show. It's it's pretty dry. Um, but they, so they read. This guy gets like together with two of his friends and they read a chapter of the porno mm. every week. And it is just, it's so bad. It's such poor quality erotic literature. It's awful. Like, this guy's dad has no conception of, like, what's sexy, how the female anatomy works, um, how people interact with each other in sexual and non-sexual situations. It's just... It's truly, it is a train wreck. It is, like, it is cringe humor distilled in its purest form. It is the Heisenberg blue meth of cringe humor. <laughs> and I don't really like cringe humor that much, but I listen to this thing at my desk at work. <laughs> like, if I'm doing tedious Monday tasks. And I have to try so hard not to laugh so loud that I get fired from my job. So you, you brought up an interesting... You made me think of something new with, with cringe humor, which is what about what about comedies? What, what about laughing at things that aren't meant to be funny? I do like, that all the time. I, like it's me watching work. The Room or me watching Nicolas yeah, Cage movies. Yeah, we've, we've now tread into... We've now tread into tripping Pierce over some logical hurdles territory. Yes. Uh... Like me watching Nicolas Cage movies. Well, okay, <laughs> I that were not intended to be fun. Or the Room; Th- those movies were not made to be funny. Con Let Air, me tell you the great uh, gr- Con Air, a great comedy or the greatest comedy. <laughs> so I think there's a difference between seeking out comedy shows or films. We really haven't talked about movies that much, honestly, sure. which is fine because I think the medium du jour is uh, is really comedy tel- or television shows, anyways. Right now, I think there is a difference between. I'm not necessarily talking about my sense of humor. I'm talking about my interest in things that are humorous or will make me laugh. Your sense of humor is different than mine, and that's about as far as I want to go at this moment because because <laughs> we'll get into trigger words that have to do with uh, uh, John Wiso or whatever his name is. Tommy Wiso. Yes, whatever. But maybe let's close. So let's maybe redirect for a second and close on movies because we've. I think we've all sort of talked about our 
favorite movies before, whether in the context of this podcast or just, you know, chatting on your couch or at a bar or something. And, like, Pierce, you have, I think, a much more sort of defined through line that connects most of the things that you would call, most of the films that you would call your favorite movies. I have a list. In a way that I don't. So, like, I really only sort of rank, so to speak, a top five favorite movies. But two of mine are comedies. See, I don't... If anyone ever asks me what my favorite movie is, I separate them. Interesting. I don't, think, I don't compare... Favorite, I don't my favorite comedies are... I'd say, yeah, yeah, you want my favorite comedy movie or my favorite other movies? I separate okay. the two because I can't compare a great serious movie to a great comedy because they're good for different reasons. That I think that's fair... But I think... That's very nuanced when someone watches Nicolas Cage movies to laugh But I I do think there's an element of... I do think there's still an element of the good comedy, good TV show uh, distinction there. Because uh, the two comedies that are in my five favorite movies also have characters that you invest in and a strong story. I would say Animal House and the Blues Brothers. And they... So, like... They're good, I would say they're both pretty much objectively good comedies, but I would argue that they are also more or less objectively good movies sure. as well. So my separation is probably actually, are you asking for my, my favorite movie or the movies that I laughed at the most? Sure. Like yeah. like MacGruber. That movie's hilarious. <laughs> but if everyone was like, oh, is MacGruber a good Podcast movie? Over. I'd be like, no, it's Podcast probably not. Over. But let me tell well, you how funny MacGruber is. We need to stop before Pierce's brain injures itself. Movies so again, <laughs> so I, I separate them too. But I think the reason is, is if someone asks you what your favorite movies are, you know, they're trying to get to know you most yes. of the time. And if I answer with Dumb and Dumber, which is my favorite comedy, like that, it's my favorite comedy because like I watched it with my brother when I was like ten, and I know every line, and it's just it's great. But I don't think that it, it doesn't really tell anyone much about where I'm at you know, now and you the know, things like I appreciate. Listening to I this, would argue that if it's still your favorite comedy, that it does. So, in listening to this, I understand... And not in a bad way. I understand where this all stems from. I think I've shared this with, with you all before. You mentioned Beavis and Butthead before. We talked about Simpsons. Um, uh, another one that I think about is South Park, which, here's the important point. I watched my first episode of South Park when I was 22 years old. I did not consume these things as a youth and so I think that type of humor maybe never came to me and so I picked it up later on and now I'm old and jaded and a curmudgeon in, in some ways and so I want to sit down and watch Mad Men and think about why is Roger Sterling such a child all the time where does this come from what is his what is his psychological makeup I laugh at him all the time because he's a ridiculous character but that is I, I like skipped that point I think that's part of it so I appreciate and this is what I mean when I say I appreciate that it's humorous like, like, I know that, uh, you know, uh, 30 Rock, I understand it's humorous. I'm just, I just happen to not laugh out loud to it because maybe I was never trained to be able to do that. Now, I think I benefit from it because I can say, nope, I'm going to go home and get some extra sleep while you watch your Nicolas Cage film. <laughs> That's not funny, 
You know what? He is the one who has the last laugh because he made a lot of money off of you laughing. He, gets he's, all he is well, extremely bankrupt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's not really laughing. Yeah. But I, he, I would say $250,000 on a Tyrannosaurus Rex skull is not necessarily a sound investment, what Nick. If, whatever if multiple, you're listening, Nick. <laughs> whatever multiple castles cost. Uh, okay. I, so I think... I think we've reached a point where we probably all understand you a little better now, Pierce. I wish I understood myself better, but I'm glad you do. Maybe you'll get there once your brain heals up inside your skull. This is hopeful. Maybe. We'll see. I like the optimism. Yeah. What? What? So, what is your favorite comedy? You said Animal House. Yeah. My. So my two if favorite. You comedies... separated them, and I said, "What's your favorite comedy?" Oh, Animal House. All right. Um. Yeah. My. So like, I don't. I don't split them out. I. And I think I probably don't split them out because my two favorite comedies are also both films that I just think of as really good movies. So, like, I I don't have any qualms about... Pain- like, I don't think you should have qualms, Kevin, about Dumb and Dumber being your favorite comedy for the reasons you've described. But, like, I certainly don't have any qualms about, like... I guess what someone would think about me because See, I like Animal that's House That's the thing, because your, your two comedies are actually good movies. Do you like any comedies that aren't good movies? Like, I pointed out that I like MacGruber. Sure. Um, I don't... I mean, I, just, I see less and less new movies, yeah. so I don't have stuff that like readily jumps to mind. I know the way to, to kind of, at least for me, close this out. Okay, um, great. I watched a movie this past year with, with my two of my friends um, and uh, it's important that we watch it together I actually laughed aloud I thought this movie was Whoa. hilarious we all thought it was hilarious it's The Lobster another friend of mine texted me recently and she was like I hate this movie it's gory it's gross I was like I laughed aloud at this movie it, I'm not going to do the synopsis of The Lobster but the situations themselves are really frightening but the absurdity of it, it, but some of the reality in it, I appreciated the levity, and I laughed aloud. It was great. I would, I can't recommend it to most people because it would make them grossed out and uncomfortable. There we go. It laughs. It laughs. Hey, all right. So, if you want to tell oh, us, levity and drama. Uh, if you want to tell us what you think about uh, <laughs> comedies, come check us out on Facebook or Twitter at Pretty Okay Pod, and uh, let us know what you think. In the meantime, Mr. Uh, Mr. Claw Motion over here, uh, which you can't see because obviously this is an audio medium, uh, is is set to apologize for something as he does frequently. Although I suppose we're we're hoping that he he remembers what he's supposed to apologize for this week. This is really just the let's make fun of Pierce's <laughs> concussion episode. It's kind of too soon. Uh, no. Uh, setting up for future episodes. Like, it's, um, it's Pierce is sorry. What do you got um, this week? So this week, so what's kind of uh, I think fascinating about this one is the kind of the subject of the I'm sorry. I actually saw yesterday, and you two were with me, and it reminded me of this exchange. So I went to buy uh, concert tickets earlier this week at the Black Cat in DC, which is which is a great music venue, and you should go to. Um, and I was buying tickets for, for Vagabond, who I'm a huge fan of. Um, but as I was buying the tickets, the guy who was taking the, the money was asking me, um, oh, can you describe Vagabond? I am not good at describing, like, 
the, the like, sub-genres of the music I listen to. Because it's just, like, it's music I listen to. It's generally indie rock. Or, sure. And I can't do, like, it's fuzzy or it's, you know, okay. this or that. So what I'm apologizing for this week is to this guy for giving a bad description. Uh, I'm embarrassed by myself because it was, it, it just, I think it's wrong. Um, and then obviously to Vagabond because, again, I think it's wrong. But for some reason, the words lo-fi came out of my mouth, and I should have just eaten a pine cone after that because I don't think it was right, and I just sounded like an idiot saying that. I'm like, this is a word to describe music, so why not say it? And it was wrong. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's wrong. I, but again, I don't have it a better good. description handily except okay. you should listen to it. I don't think the guy's going to listen to Vagabond anyways. Well, not, not after that description. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm sorry for hurting everyone involved because now they're just either offended because that's not who I am or are not who they are as the artist and mm-hmm. he's probably not at all interested in a lo-fi artist that actually doesn't exist. That's a shame because Vagabond is really good. Yeah, um, Audio Tree Live is new recording that she did. I, I, it's some, it's a live recording on yeah. Spotify which is which is oh, very cool. good and I, I can recommend highly. Uh, Alright, we'll, we'll maybe try to I think we can link out to, to some portion of that. Um, as well as to this week's big idea from pop culture, which is that uh, The New Yorker has an article celebrating um, one of, I think, one of my favorite uh, memes. The meme of the large adult son. Well, in DC, they're called Mames because our injured superstar calls them Mames. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware. That was a gift, too, which is important. Mug was a gift. So I think I was probably introduced to the uh, to the large adult son meme uh, in the form of Kyle Schwarber. Yeah. Who I think uh, we won't let you describe him because you're bad at describing things. Um, oh, I can describe people, just not music, clearly. He's... Doughy. He's a big fella with a bad chin beard. He's what, as youths, and you would call... And he hits a lot of home runs. Yeah, you would call, like, if, if you're a youth and you look like that, you'd be like, oh, he's big boned. Then you get a little bit older, call it's like... Husky. Oh, Husky, husky. yes. He's husky. Well, husky or size pants. Um, and then as you get older, really it's like... shorts. He, he has a thyroid condition. Please be respectful. Oh, my God. Um, so... Highly gluten intolerant. You know, so so the large large adult son is just um, <laughs> they, they quote Barry Pacheski from Deadspin saying, uh, "Literally every man in America is someone's large adult son." <laughs> um, it, it it's used to describe uh, quote unquote big lovable galoots, which I think is an awesome way to describe a person. Um, but it, it seems that it, it maybe started in 2015 with um with a picture of mike huckabee's sons so that's kind of disappointing but it's good to see that we've maybe adapted it in a better way over the last couple years so i'm i'm all about the large adult son um so i'm I'm glad that gia tolentino uh (laughs) devoted (laughs) time and uh, and and resources to to writing all about it for the New Yorker. So we'll uh, we'll link out to that on the site too. So that's nice that the New Yorker had some intentional humor after a couple weeks ago. Their unintentional humor of someone who was on the record, but apparently still thinks they were off the record. 
Yeah. Long live the mooch! Mooch. All right. That is the end of the show. Thanks to Kevin for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at PrettyOKPod, or drop us a line at itsprettyokay at gmail.com if you want to let us know what you think, or uh, if you have an idea for something you'd like to hear us talk about on the show. You can get this and every episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast at our home on the web, www.prettyokaypod.com, where you can also find uh, our our various and sundry writings, uh, yes. Ian continues to write about music. I think this week his uh, his most recent piece was about a uh, new Lady Gaga... Nope, Lana Del Rey. Ooh, Sorry, Lana Del Rey. There. Close in the alphabet, not close in musical sound. Uh, track featuring ASAP Rocky. Um, and then, Pierce, I think you have something coming out shortly, if uh, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, probably. Um, fingers crossed, and maybe even Max, too? We'll see. <laughs> his list we, we've been will seeing for several weeks li- maybe even months now his list is collecting dust so, like some of that yeah. very weird alcohol we saw in that story oh yesterday. boy um you can also subscribe to the podcast on itunes or most other places where you get podcasts if you do that we would really appreciate if you left us ratings reviews comments uh and also if you would uh think of a friend who who you think might appreciate what we're doing and, and tell them about us uh we would We would love to welcome them to the gang. We'll be back again next week, as always, to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. Max. Thanks for listening. Bye.